Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means, the other two are just along for the ride. Kirk, say what's up. What's up? James, say hi. What's up, my dog? How'd your softball game go? We got smoked. <laughs> what is that, 24 in a row now? Uh, we are two and probably 30 on the season. Got some dubs working out there. Got two in a row. Two in a row. Right, so some, call you... that, some call that a winning streak. So, so you're almost on a win streak. No, nah, we lost two in a row since then. So, <laughs> so you're almost. Hey, up. we're two and two, we're two and two in our last four. Yeah, right? in the last in the last week, you're two and two. You're at 500 ball. Yeah. Sweet, Kirk. Any outside pitches? No, not at all. <laughs> Hit that cage, dog. Dude, I'm I'm trying everything. Like at this point, it's like I've just broken myself mentally. <laughs> you hit a wall. <laughs> hey, like Grant, I, Grant said, you got to keep that front shoulder in, dog. I got to like just go back to the like. I'm just thinking too much at this point. Like, I'm trying to correct too much. Where I just got to like believe in what I've taught myself and just go with it. Yeah, so we should like, take some time off. There you go. Even though you play once a week, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's part of the issue. Is like. How do you get into a rhythm when you get like four at bats a week? And that's the only live pitching you see, you know? And you want to get better every week, but how, would, how are you able to get better every week when you only see four pitches a week? Yeah. That is hard. Our, uh, somebody that we interviewed, we talked to Julian from the Fresno Grizzlies. He posted on Instagram, he's on a 10 game hitting streak um, in his old man league. So maybe we, we should have got hitting tips from him. If you want to go look at it, it's on the Instagram. He's got some skills. He's got, he's got some bat-to-ball skills out there doing his thing down in Fresno. Anyway, before we get started, it's kind of a big day. It is Brendan Rogers' birthday. Should we sing to him? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> big shout-out to B-Rod, though. Um, hope his 21st is awesome. Because that makes this way 21st? Yeah, makes it way cooler if he's 21 forever, right? Wow, that makes me feel old. It's definitely his 25th birthday. Oh, nice. <laughs> Missed out on that. All right, let's uh so we got a few topics. We're gonna keep it short tonight. The Nolan trade came came up yesterday. Did we win the Nolan trade? I mean, this happens every two or three starts that Gomber pitches because Gomber is the guy that was the main piece back from the Nolan trade. And it's all about did the Rockies win the trade is Breidich really not that big of an idiot. What says you after about four months of ball from what we know, from what we've seen after our initial reactions, where are you guys sitting in on this? Absolutely not. No, we did not win that trade. Gomber's been, Gomber's been great. Um, I really like watching him pitch, but He's only a dynamic player once every five days. Um, and that's that's granted that he's going to have a good start and all those things. So um, it's been great to watch him pitch, but he doesn't make an everyday difference like Nolan did. And number two is that the $50 million that we just sent away that just went poof in the air, um, that just makes everything worse. I mean, that makes – if you just take the trade and you say Gomber and the two other pieces – that was still a bad trade, but then you added $50 million to it, and that is ridiculous. 
that's a highway robbery from the Cardinals' perspective. Kirk, what do you think? I think that like there's so many different factors that decide if that was a win or a loss. I'm a lot more comfortable with it now because we've seen what Gomber can do. And if he's a top three in our rotation for the next five years, like I think that's one of the best trades we've ever had as far as like what we got in return. My issue is the $50 million going away. And we don't know how this affects story resigning because if we kept Nolan and that kept story, then that's way better than where we would be, you know, next year. So um, I think it's pretty detrimental to the clubhouse and like attracting free agents to us. Like who wants to go to Colorado with the broken management that's been seen? Okay. Let me so, ask you a follow-up question. What's the likelihood that story resigns from your perspective? I think it's pretty much zero. I, after what he said, where he's like, I don't even know why I'm still here, basically. Like, that's just saying, like, he probably made it pretty clear he's not resigning and is just doesn't understand why he's here. So, like, he's pretty much out the door as far as I'm concerned. I would be shocked if he's resigned. Right. So, given that, I mean, I, I think that makes the Arenado trade that much worse, to be honest because you're sending away money, you're sending away Nato, you can't resign story even if you wanted to, you're not going to. And then you made it, you compacted the problem by not trading story at the deadline when you could have, or any of the other pieces that you technically could have. So the organization's like not moving forward in any way, shape or form. And they're not setting it up in the future to have any success in any way, shape or form. And that's the most frustrating part. And it's just like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Bill Schmidt. That is, yeah, that's the GM now. And all due respect, all due respect, he just seems like another yes man for for Montford. So you're getting off yeah. with the question. Yeah, I'm you're mad. you're 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 going domino effect. You're going butterfly effect on this. And on the surface level, just straight up, like if. Where we are now, Gomber, Montero for Nolan. Are you both still saying no? Well, I don't know anything about Montero. He's not in the major leagues yet, is he? No, but so, he, I mean, I can't. I he's can't a prospect. I mean, he's a he's right. a prospect. Yeah, and he's slugging really well in the minor leagues. And I hope that really works out and carries over to the major leagues once he is called up, and then maybe in a couple of years we can reevaluate. But I mean, the. The honesty is, is that, no, you had a franchise player, somebody that the fans grew up with um, through the farm and just loved baseball. And his his attitude towards the game was contagious for fans. It was so much fun to watch Nato play because he cared about the game so much and he carried so much pride and respect with him and everything that he did, whether that was the offensive side or defensive side and all that stuff. Um, and we can get into the competitive side and – and some of the issues, I'm not saying that Nato's completely blameless here, but like it's 80-20 in the Rockies, um, in the Rockies direction and how they mistreated and how everything's just effed up from a front office perspective. 
And then sending $50 million. Come on. What is that? What is that? Let me put it this way. If Nolan stays, do do the Rockies win a championship, an NL West title in the next five years? I can say I think it's a lot more likely than we would now. That was was my follow-up. Is it, though? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play the devil's advocate here because Nolan's defense has been fulfilled just fine with McMahon and Fuentes at third. Hopefully, just McMahon now. Um, his bat, I think, is still better than his replacement. But in four years, three years, four years, when Montero makes the major leagues and he's able to produce anything at league average and you have Gomber as your number two starter giving anything that he's doing what he is now wouldn't you say Gomber average Montero and average Gomber would still be better than whatever you get from Nolan in three years I get what you're saying because it like you're looking at it from like directly just, just what just we straight got. up players yes player for player just the overall deal itself. But like, I feel like you can't look at it that way because there's so many things that this affects moving forward where like by making that trade, you basically said we're getting rid of Nolan and story because we're not re-signing story losing Nolan. So are you going to take that's It's basically like, Gomber and Montero, but we're losing Story and Nato at the in the grand scheme of things. And what you guys said earlier, any future free agent signings probably also. Like, when was the last time the Rockies signed any free agent to a long-term contract that actually like played out for like somebody in their prime? Skip Daniel Murphy, skip Skippy and Desmond. Like prime free agent, somebody. I don't know, Michael Kadire. I mean, he was here what three seasons, but he was he on the batting title, title. But he was on the tail end of his career. Yeah, but so is Justin Morneau, and he was only here for a year or two, and he won a batting title. Right, Justin Morneau. So, I mean, I guess that that doesn't really hold water, but it's just I, I can't I, really. My, my biggest issue that, is the message that it sends to other players that's, that this yeah. is the way that you're going to treat your star player. And then that trickles down to somebody like Trevor Story, and that trickles down to people on the farm. And that goes back to the article that we read and talked about a long time ago where um, Todd Helton talked to Matt Holliday and said, you're never going to win here. Matt Holliday talked to Troy Tulowitzki and said, you're never going to win here. Tulo talked to Nato and said, you're never going to win here. Like, those are the things that we need to stop. Like, we need to put together a couple campaigns, and we need to ax that shit right now. It's one thing for like the Dodgers, but if the Padres can do this, then so can we. You know, there's no reason why we can't. Dude, look at the Rays. Every single time I think about this, Tampa Bay Rays, (laughs) they have the lowest payroll in baseball, and they are constantly in the top of their division with the Yankees and the Red Sox in Toronto, who are all about 10 games over 500. And two of those teams aren't even going to make the playoffs. That's insane. With a team that has, you know, $50, $60 million budget. 
So you're fired up. That's good. I yeah, let's go. <laughs> I I'm gonna go like the thing with the Padres able to do that the Rockies are, and we love our prospects here at Blake Street Banter, is that their their minor league system is loaded. Uh, probably not so much now, but like they have the talent in the prospects to grow. That's what the Dodgers have. Like you're able to give away a talent like Josiah Gray and um, the other dude for Trey and Max for possibly two years. And like, they got Mookie bets with prospects and then they're able and have the culture to sign them. They have the money to sign and the culture to sign Mookie bets to a lifetime deal. And hell, they're probably going to sign Trey Turner and we're screwing even longer. Like they have the system that can create those big trades. And then they have the culture that gets these big guys to stay around. Uh, And I think that's just so hard. For the Rockies, well, like, there's no, there's no, nothing in the near future that says the Rockies are going to create this winning positive culture around this. And that's one of the most frustrating things is that okay, the Padres right now are looking pretty good and they're they're fun to watch and they have been for a couple of years now. But, I mean, they were kind of the dogmat of the NL West for a while. Yep. Um, but. At every turn that they could, they they move their organization forward in a right step, whether that's drafting or signing big time free agents like Hosmer or whatever. Um, and that's what's so frustrating about the lack of a deadline move, especially this year, is that you know you're holding on the story just to get a compensation pick. Granted, we don't know what that's going to look like yet, but I mean, you would think that you could have gotten something better for that. Reports are uh, saying that you could have got five prospects for story. And all the reports are saying that John Gray wants to stay as a Rocky, but who knows if we actually sign him. Um, I hope so. Um, should have all this money being free up and that, that'd be great, but you could have moved these pieces and, and moved the organization in a better footing for later. Granted, maybe next year and the year before, the year after that isn't going to be all that great, but you would have prospects in return that you can, you can build around. And our farm system is not good right now. It's really not. No, 27th ranked right now. That's it's bottom feeder. So not only are we lost in the now, but we are lost in the future. Ooh, that's a good book title. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's so hard to be optimistic and I want to be, I badly want to be. So let's, so would you, so you were, you were saying the Nolan trade made a bigger negative splash then we know. Yeah, Gomber's 27. He might stick around for, I don't know, five years? The next three years. If you, if you just think about it this way, like if you look at it on paper, the value oh. is there for the trade for what we got, but like it's not something you can see on paper of the effect of it, you know? Yeah, it's about everybody talks about the intangibles of players, right? Well, what about the intangibles of front offices? Ooh, we no. don't have any intangibles in the front office because we treat our players like absolute shit. That was, it's kind of a it's a good question to ask, like when we've ever went out and signed somebody big and made a splash like that, because the, like I can't think of anybody. And the only time I've ever felt like, OK, we're going all in right now is when we extended too low and cargo for like eight to 10 years 
that's like, okay, we got lucky. We got prospects that turned out great. Lock them down. But it's never like, let's bring this guy in or let's do this. It's all like, we just developed them and got lucky. And now we don't have anybody to develop either. There's, there's four facts of life. You got death, you got taxes, and then you got the Colorado Rockies not doing shit at the winter meetings. And then you got the Colorado Rockies not doing shit at the trade deadline. That's it. <laughs> you got book titles out the wazoo right now. Yeah, let's go. I, I mean, there's surface level. I th- yeah. I mean, we, we summed it up. The, the ramifications are very, very heavy right now. And it's across the it's across the fan base. And I don't think that's changed since August or not August. When you get traded February, January, I don't think it's changed whatsoever. Like Gomber makes it a little less hurt. See Montero rake down in double A makes the sting a little less. But then you sit down, you have conversations about it, you think about it ramification domino here butterfly effect there shit we're screwed like not there's nothing nothing happening and it's just it sucks yeah um, and even though even though Bradditch is gone the owner doesn't give a shit about winning and then he's just going to continue to surround himself with yes men if you were offered the gm job right now would you take it yeah because <laughs> i could just i could just run outside the park baseball simulation and that would do a better job of of negotiating and maneuvering the front office than the current people doing oh, it. You now. can't do that. You can't you can't go surface level on that and then go deep on the Nolan trade. If you're <laughs> if, would you accept it with all the dominoes and the the higher ups that you would have to deal with, would you accept the Rockies GM position right now? Well, hang on. Does does Montford get to say on everything? Or do I you know the answer to that? Just then as well no, as I do. Then no, absolutely not. I'm not taking it. Kirk? Um, it would be pretty much last on the list. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the he, phone with a guy about some white walls. I'll get back to you. <laughs> you literally saw what happened to Brightish. Like, we don't even really know how good of a GM he could have been because we don't know what decisions were even his or not. You know? The horrible thing is, is that Bradish could be the one that turns out to be in the right here. Yeah. Bradish wanted to do some shit, but Monford put the kibosh on it, and then he got frustrated and said, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah. But, yeah, Bradish was the scapegoat, but we don't really know. And, like, if you saw what happened to him here, like, why would anybody sign up for that? Just pretty much ruin their career. Absolutely. The worst front office in baseball. It doesn't attract anybody. Um, it's just, it's a total shit show. He's still, it will he's, be. He's still going. Mike, Mike got back to me about some free agent signings. We haven't done a lot in this millennium. Uh, Larry Walker was a big one. We signed him as a free agent, and he went on for four years. Andres Galarraga, we signed him for four years. <laughs> um, you guys remember Mike Hampton? He was a free agent signing. Obviously, Derek Kyle, Danny Nagel, Ellis Burks, Michael Kadair was a three-year free agent signing, um, and Walt Weiss. Dude, I think almost. <laughs> if we're going all the way back to Larry Walker, O'Dowd, who's now in the Hall of Fame. These are all O'Dowds. It was also written in 2016. If we're going all the way back to Walker, and then Kadair <laughs> and Walt Weiss still make the list. 
Like the existence Those of are the entire just big team. names that came up Walt in 2016. Weiss, Walt Weiss makes the list of that was before his managing manager um stint. All right, let's bring it. Let's what are we um, even doing? What are we let, doing out here? Let's move on. Let's let's <laughs> just calm this guy down. Get this guy get, get this man some milk. We're not doing anything, is the issue. <laughs> We're doing absolutely nothing. We're doing the well, bare minimum to stay in the league. <laughs> It's very frustrating. Like, why? Why did they even sign Ian Desmond? Like, what? <laughs> to play first base, center field, shortstop. Like, he was like, what yeah, that's <laughs> not. That's not field, second sign, base, short. I don't know. Let's not sign anybody worthy for the last twenty <laughs> years. But let's fucking give thirty million to Ian Desmond. <laughs> they signed. They signed Ian Desmond to win like the, uh, like the best man in baseball award. You know. Uh, Robert, Robert to Clemente. Yeah, the guy that does the best for the community. And he does great I, things for the community. Fantastic things for the community. I, I, I wish Ian Desmond was better because, like, I loved watching him play because he played hard. But, man. It, it just, was rough. It, the Rockies spend the money, too. It's just like there's nothing. We're not doing this. All right, let's go. Let's <laughs> that, that segment was brought to you by – Blake Street Banter Blogs, which you can find in the link tree. And there's actually a write-up by Tyler that says we won the trade on the surface level. Uh, go ahead and read that. All right. Next segment, stats. Stat, stats that stand out. Say that three times fast. Go. Stats that stand out. Stats that stand out. Stats that stand out. All right. Not bad. Um, so we're a new little segment. We're going to try this. And I'm going to give you a stat that I know James is going to enjoy. And then we'll just go around the table. Sound good? Uh, yep. All right. This is in light of CJ Chrome winning player of the week. Um, I think the first Rockies player to win player of the week since Joshua Fuentes did it in late May. But this is CJ Chrome, James's favorite free agent signing um, this year. In the last five games, he's had 22 plate appearances, has a OPS of 1.914 with four home runs, a double, and three walks. 16 RBIs. Thanks. You feeling salty, right? I, I feel silly is what I feel. Now tell me if you think this is good. Since the All-Star game, 75 play appearances, slugging of 951 with six homers, 24 RBIs. Pretty good, right? Yeah. All right. Now this is where the crazy stat comes out, standout stats. I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, but he is the product of Coors, like, to the T. His home, his home splits, he has a slugging of 660, OPS of 1.062. If you go OPS plus and stuff, it's like 144-ish. On the road, his slugging is 307, OPS of 632, and his TOPS is 51. Like total OPS is 51. So he is night and day difference. He is the road Rockies if they were a player right there. It's just, it's incredible. Like he did this run, like he was so, so much fun to watch against the Cubs and the Marlins, but it's the Cubs and the Marlins at home and he just absolutely dominated. But I don't think we see that from him. I hope we do in Houston. And I, going back to our conversation, I wonder if those roads, road home slits or why he wasn't traded at the deadline again i think we talked about that but i think in hindsight now it's like these road slits are too drastic to 
even think about acquiring or bringing them in. Yeah. Even for Coors Field, it's it's dramatic. Huge. There's 400 point difference in your OPS. Like that's crazy. 300 points. That's that's literally that's yeah. That's literally one of the top players in the league to somebody that's going to be out of the league in a couple weeks. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) that's crazy. It's insane. Okay, fun fun little game that we're going to play. Do the Rockies sign him next year? Dude, they love veteran (laughs) three basemen. Let's go. (laughs) Sign him up. What do you think, Kurt? Um, you know, I don't really, I don't think it's a bad move if they do. I, I think I would like to see him back. He's a good filler first baseman until we get like Tolia or, you know, Levine or Montero up here. So I, I think he's, I think he's fine. It's kind of like a Mark Reynolds fill in until we get somebody, but he was basically who we were saving the spot for with Mark Reynolds, which I didn't expect. Right. I, I echo everything you just said, but yeah, that's my standout. That's my standout stats. All right, James, what do you got for us? I have a couple of things about Crone that probably not many people think about. And the first one is, is range factor per nine innings. This is um, putouts plus assists divided by innings played. So higher the number, the better, right? You want to guess who leads the league in range factor per nine at first base? Joshua Fuentes. No, Crone. <laughs> Crone does, followed by Belt and then Shoop, Freeman, and Lau. So CJ Crone, range factor wise, playing a pretty good first base defensively. Much better than, uh, than Murphy did, right? Is that hard? <laughs> yeah, he's he's honestly been he's been our like him and Mark Reynolds. Who else since Helton can you think of that's really had much success at all? Yeah, I thought Fuentes played a nice solid base last uh, during the COVID year, and that's saying something. You know, I like Fuentes, but playing average defense and thinking that's spectacular—that's that's something. Kirk, give us your stats. Well, what does there even say about the bullpen, dude? We suck. We are the second worst bullpen in the league. Um, I was looking. We don't have a single reliever who's pitched 20 or more games that has an ERA under four. Um, Our best one all year has been Michael Givens, who we traded away. Uh, But I wanted to focus on Tyler Kinley because – He's been one of our most used bullpen arms, and he has not been good at all. And <laughs> <laughs> for, for how much, like, how much he gets called on, he's not performing like he should be getting those calls. Um, and you could think, like, okay, he was okay last year. Last year, he had a 5.32 ERA, which is not great at all. Um, and since... Comparing to last year, um, his strikeouts per nine, he had he was averaging uh, 9.9 last year, and this year it's down to eight. So it's dropped dramatically. Um, so 
don't know. There's not a whole lot of excitement to talk about with the bullpen, but I just Tyler Kinley's on my shit list for the bullpen. So <laughs> he's just one of those guys where like we always call on him, but it's like, why is why? I mean, like you said, there's not really any other options. Yeah. yeah Being but, on your shit list is I don't want to be on that, but I think I was on there once. I didn't like it. <laughs> wasn't fun <laughs> for anybody. Um, the biggest hit was losing Jordan Sheffield, though, because he actually came out and was pretty solid for us, but he's hurt. And but you, do we know the time frame when he's returning? I don't. I he was moved to the 60 day a few weeks ago, so I don't think anytime soon. Another thing, yeah. like, I thought this was pretty interesting because I was trying to look at like the in-depth numbers of like, okay, are we walking a lot of people? Are we doing, you know, what are we doing? And we're pretty middle grade for everything except strikeouts. And we're second to last in strikeouts um, as a bullpen. Um, So people are putting the ball in play and it's not working out well. Uh, But what's kind of interesting is that the, who's dead last in bullpen strikeouts is the Oakland A's. And it's pretty dramatic. Like we're at 369 and they're at 302. Wow. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That is interesting. I wonder like if we look into it, like what hard hit rate is and the barrel percentages and like how that would compare to Oakland. Cause when you think of Oakland, you think pitching bullpen is pretty decent, but I think they've been struggling a little bit this year, but geez, wow. strikeouts. No wonder we're getting. Yeah. The A's are uh, seventh, seventh in ERA for bullpen. Well, they just picked up Andrew Chafin, who hasn't given up a run yet. Has he um, and they're also 13 games up above 500, so probably going to make the playoffs. So they're looking okay. Those are very good points that you brought up, James. Thank you. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> Yeah, the bullpen draft. So Tyler Kennelly is on the shit list. All right. James, stats that stand out. I have two of them. Mm. Are you ready? No, please make me wait longer. Um, do you want to know who leads the league in complete games? Herman Marcos. Yeah, he does. He's tied with somebody. Zach Wheeler. They both have three. Yep. All right, there's one other stat I want to talk about, and that is defensive war. Are you ready for this? As a a pitcher? No. Just in general? Yeah, I'm going off the grid here. All right. Defensive war. Um, I'm going to give you the top 10, okay? Starting from from 10 to 1. The whole league? Uh, Yep. Okay, can't wait. Um, Number 10 is Jan Gomes at 1.4, defensive war. Uh, at number nine is our boy Adam Duvall, 1.5. Uh, next one's Wilson Contreras, 1.5. Next one after that is Marcus Simeon, number seven, 1.6. Um, Carlos Correa, 1.7. Um, and then number five is our boy Michael A. Taylor, center field for uh, the Royals. Um, Hassan Kim for the Padres, 1.9 at four. And then tied for second is Jacob Stallings 
and Keener Falefa for Texas at 1.9. Do you want to guess who's number one, my guy? We all know who number one is. Who's number one? Your mom. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ryan Mag. Yeah, Ryan Mag leading the league in defensive war. And Nolan Arenado is not to be seen. What is what is Ryback's D war? It is two point one. He's a full point two points ahead of Keener Falefa, Stallings, and Kim. So Ryan Mack getting it, dog. He is really fun to watch defensively. But he's a baller. He's fun, and he does it at multiple positions. Yeah, he's straight baller. Fun. Yeah, it's cool. Sweet. So that was stats. Brought to you by Blake Street Banter. Stats. Please find our YouTube channel that you can find more stats. All right. Um, James, end it. History lesson with James. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, this is going to be a doozy. I don't think you're ready for this. Let me uh, sit back. All right. So this history lesson is, um, got to be honest with you, I first heard this story on the dollar which is a great podcast. And there's a couple of baseball podcasts on the dollar. Well, anyway, the story goes something like this. There's two friends and they are good ball players and they grow up and they go join the military and they play some slow pitch softball in the Northeast. And they're really good softball players. Well, it turns out when they're doing softball, they also like to party pretty hard. So that means some beers, maybe a little bit of cocaine, so one of the guys, he's a pretty wild guy. He decides that he's going to go try out to be the mascot for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tries out. Goes pretty good. And of course, he's poked out of his mind. Um, has blast. He gets a callback to the surprise. He goes back, tries out again. They end up hiring him. So now he's the mascot of the Pirates. And this is just a dude that just boozes and likes some slow pitch softball, all of that good stuff. Well, come to find out, he all of a sudden starts making making friends with the players now if you know anything about the pirates at this time you have guys like dave parker um willie Starge on the team you know some really good players dale barra who's yogi bear's um great grandson or or son time right um makes friends with them well they start partying together and they get a nice little cocaine hookup um so a couple of years oh, goes by <laughs> A couple of years goes by, and these guys are partying hard, and the ball players are partying even harder. And guess where they're getting their cocaine from? It's the mascot. So they're all getting their cocaine from the mascot. And it turns out that um, some of them start getting in some trouble with the law. Some of them are skipping games to go to the dealer's house to do cocaine instead of rather being in the, in the bullpen or something like that. Um, at this time, cocaine is very, very popular in the MLB. Tim Raines, who is a great ball player, um, at this time, he would only slide head first so that the vial of cocaine in his back pocket would not burst. <laughs> so um, that um, you know, gives you some context of, of what these guys were thinking. Um, well... <laughs> Some guys start getting busted, and the FBI starts coming in. And this is the whole Reagan war on drugs uh, situation. So they're really trying to find the dealers and who's the people supplying these ballplayers with cocaine. And so they come really 
they come down really hard on the mascot and his friends and some of these guys that were dealing them cocaine. Well, the thing is, is like, they weren't really dealers. They were people that would like hang out with people that were the real dealers and they'd get the cocaine just so they could hang out with the ball players. Like that's it. Like these guys weren't making a profit. They weren't doing anything. They were literally just getting, well, literally getting high with ball players so they could hang around ball players, right? Well, as soon as the FBI kind of swoops in, um, who's the people that fall for this? That's going to take the fall for this. Of course, it's the mascot and his buddies. And um, Dave Parker, who's an amazing, legendary baseball player, was regarded as the entire National League's dealer to cocaine. When people came to Pittsburgh, they went to see Dave Parker to get their hookup. But guess what? They had a grand jury, um, Dale Barra, um, Willie Stargell, Dave Parker, Rod Scurry, all of these guys who were just doing coke nonstop and hooking up other ballplayers across the entire United States, nothing ever came of it. But they locked away these, these poor guys that just fed drugs to the ballplayers because they wanted to hang out with ballplayers, right? So that's the long and the short of it. If you want to hear more of it, uh, definitely check out the, the Dollops podcast on it. But the 1980s, <laughs> The 1985 Pittsburgh drug trials um, was a trip, literally and figuratively. Do you know uh, how many years they got in prison? Um, yeah, a couple of them got some serious sentences. They got released on on things like good behavior and um, things like that. So they never really spent more than a couple years in prison. But it was very sad to see that. I mean, I would argue that Dave Parker had a bigger role in smuggling cocaine, especially across trans, trans, uh, trans state lines um, to other ballplayers and all of these things compared to these guys. Um, I mean, Tim Rames is running the bases with a vial of coke in his pocket. It's, um, I don't know, it, it just doesn't seem very fair because the Reagan administration really wanted to come down on somebody, and so they just picked out the nobodies the mascots and they let the ball players just walk totally free because they're ball players, which, you know, um, is a little unfair. And in, in my, my opinion, Keith Hernandez was actually wrapped up in this and he's, you know, he's, he's announcing for the Mets as we speak. Um, so it's just a really, really interesting tale. And I, I encourage you to go check it out. Well, um, there is, there is one sad end to the story is that the person that ended up, kind of making this whole thing kind of explode was and I can't remember his name he's a left-handed pitcher for the Pirates and he legit could not handle it and he was doing way more than he should and one night the whole reason this thing came down is because he was fighting snakes in his hotel apartment um, and they had to call the cops and taking the rehab and all these things um, and he ended up getting kicked off the team a couple years later and then he died like 10 years later because um, the cops came, um, cops came and I don't know what happened during the altercation, but he ended up dying before the cops could arrest him. But, um, the eyewitness testimony says that he was fighting snakes in his backyard. So that kind of tells you that he was obviously still, still hooked on the cocaine, even, you know, 12 years later. Um, and so it's, it, it's a really sad story all around for the guys that, that, that took the fall for it. The ball players that got away from it scot free. You know. Well, I don't know. Maybe they got paid off. You know. 
Well, of course. I mean, and the big part is, is that a lot of people started flipping on each other left and right, obviously, as you can imagine. Um, yeah. Said, no, I got it from this guy. No, I got it from this guy and blah, blah, blah. But I, I unfortunately, the skeptic, the skeptic in myself tells me that, um, you know, the ball players had a bigger role to play and they just never really paid the price. Um, and they just put it down on these lower end guys that, that just wanted to hang around ball players. So that's, I mean, like I said, that's a very, very short version of the story. And it definitely is a lot of generalizations and it's not quite accurate. So I encourage you to definitely go check out the, the original podcast of it. But man, it is a wild ride. It is wild. Could you imagine running the bases with a vial of cocaine? And I mean, it's one of the best players in the league at the time. I think he's like, and, it, he's, he and he's getting... He's getting some of his coke from the other best player in the league, Dave Parker, Willie Stargell. Hanging, hanging out. 80s, 70s and 80s, man. What a trip. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. I like that. Thank you for sharing, Jane. That was brought to you by absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> that, that's you the can be our first sponsor. I almost try and. Maybe they'll listen and give it to us now. We are going to send it off to our Chris McMahon interview. Um, he sh- sat down with us uh, probably about a month ago and shared what it is pitching, uh, being drafted in the middle of a pandemic, uh, playing during a pandemic and all that, and then just sharing what he's working on and uh, just a little insight on who he is as a ball player. And so go ahead, listen, share, review. Subscribe, all that good stuff. You get it. Um, but link tree, so right here. Just go to the description, look down, click it, and find all of our other content. We're out here doing the thing. Go rocks! Woo! Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other two are just along for the ride. Kirk, say what's up. What's up? And we are joined today by Spokane Indians pitcher Chris McMahon. How you doing, man? Good, good. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we could work this out. Um, just cool stuff, man. So I, I do want to get some of this big topic, big issue topics out of the way right away. Um, as I was doing research yesterday, I understand that you grew up in Philadelphia. You're a Philadelphia's fan. Yeah. Philly's <laughs> fan. Um, do you still think Jimmy Rollins should have won the MVP in 2007 over Matt Holliday? Even though you were like seven years old. Yeah, I was probably like eight years old. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't keep up too much with either one of those years. I just remember being at the ballpark watching Rollins a uh, lot, multiple times a week. So I got to be biased and go with him. <laughs> <laughs> that really was fun. Who was your favorite? Who was your favorite player growing up? Chase Utley, for sure. Oh yeah. Chase. Yeah. Are, are you uh, always Sunny and Philly fan? You have to be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've seen that show. It's a good one. Yeah. So are you kind of like Mac and you want to go have a have a catch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that always cracks me up. I love that episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other big topic I wanted to get out of the way is you picked Matt Olson to win the home run derby last night. I did. I did. Kind of a tough that pick, was, right? That was tough. I I was watching it. And I was actually getting really excited when he was getting hot there. 
at the end of the round. And then, yeah, he came up one short. I was happy for Mancini, though. Oh, yeah. Kind of a new name to to get yeah. going again. The win column made it to the finals too, which is good. So, um, but but yeah, I, I did. I think Olson was going to be that sleeper pick. That's what I was feeling. Um, he's got some pop. He can swing it. Obviously, that's why he's in the Derby. But yeah, it was a that was a tough ending to that round. There, I thought he was going to catch up. But <laughs> yeah, do you, so. You, you used to rank a little bit in high school. Did you ever participate in a home run derby or anything? No, I actually, I was, I mean, I was in a home run derby when I was like 11 in Little League, but no, not in high school or anything. No home run derbies I hit in high school, but yeah, I never did one of those home run derby things. Um, so diving into this, you were drafted twice now, the Braves in the 30th round in the 2017, and then you were picked by the Rockies last year in the second yep. round. Um, how are those two experiences different? especially with a draft like happening as we kind of talk or end right now. Yeah. Um, different, uh, different definitely in a way. Cause I mean, high school, you kind of had college to just fall back on. Um, you kind of have a little bit of that leverage sort of um, if you wanted to get taken high and if not, um, which exactly happened to me, just kind of slid all the way in the back end of the draft, ended up passing on it, went to college and then, Kind of when you get to college, at least in my situation, I didn't really have a choice to fall back on, you know? I mean, I had three years of education done. If I wanted to go get another year done, I could. But um, I guess they're different in a way because if you're in college, you'll get taken high as a junior. But, I mean, you don't really have much of that leverage to be like, okay, well, if you don't take me here, I'm just going to go do this because you can't do that when – you're basically wrapping up college. So um, I would say that's kind of how they're different, uh, both of those experiences. And so that definitely played, uh, that would play a role in your deciding to go play ball the first time around, right? Like I wanted to get yeah. drafted higher. I didn't. So I'm going to go down to Miami. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to get picked a little bit higher, um, went down, bet on myself a little bit to kind of, develop have a good solid career down in Miami and um, it worked out went well um, and next thing you know Rockies were able to take me pretty early in the second round which is exactly kind of where I wanted to be and uh, it, it all worked out I got to go down to Miami um, <clears throat> live up college a little bit and um, yeah now I get to play baseball so mm -hmm. Yeah, it look, looked like you were pretty dominant in the 2020 season that ended up getting cut short. Um, yeah. What was, what was your, your feelings when you heard that was going to happen? I was uh, definitely really upset at first. I mean, really right when it happened, everyone was a little bit confused, I guess you could say, um, what exactly what was going to happen. There was a lot of unknowns for basically everybody in the entire country. Uh, what was going to happen within the next month, two months, six months. I mean, and now we're, we're over a year now on it, but um, yeah, it, it was upsetting. And to be on the start that I personally had and for it to get cut off like that was very um, heartbreaking, I guess you could say. Um, it was heartbreaking too for that team. That team we had down in Miami was really, really good. And um, I think that team could have done a lot of special things 
uh, that I think we were looking for in Miami um, for quite some time. It's been a while since they've been to Omaha, so I think that team could have done it. And for it to kind of just get cut off like that and everything kind of worked for in the summer and the fall and even in the winter off season. And then you come out, you play for a month, maybe just over a month. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, pack up, go home. Everything's done. So, um, like I said, it happened to a lot, a lot of people, but it was definitely still very upsetting for us. Yeah. There's no way that's fun. Like you are, I'm going to throw these stats out there because they are impressive. Three and O with a one Oh five ERA in those four appearances. 38 strikeouts against five walks in those 20, almost 26 innings. Like you are just dominating and having that cut short. It's, I would, I would, I would be a little salty too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word for it for sure too. <laughs> so salty. Yeah. Uh, so like, what was it like playing in the ACC? Uh, we talked to Sam Weatherly recently who played in Clemson yeah. and talked about the, uh, Kind of the ball down there. Is it just a different life? Like, yeah, I'd, I mean, it's a little bit of a different life. For me, it was going from just outside of Philadelphia down to Miami. So, I mean, that in itself, whether you're playing baseball or not, it's going to be different. Um, but I, every weekend, you're going to face good competition. Um, I think that's what it's like in the ACC, whether even if in, in they're the bottom six teams in the ACC like they're still gonna be good and they're still gonna have ball players um their record might not show for it in in the ACC but it doesn't mean there's it, there's no really series in the ACC that you look at and you're like oh we should sweep them um that typically doesn't happen in the ACC uh, you have to earn every single win and even our midweeks were tough it wasn't ACC but you're still playing teams like FIU FAU UCF, USF, um, teams that are good, like really good. And USF beat Florida this year in the regional. They beat us in that Gainesville regional this year. I mean, kind of playing down there and just in ACC in general, like you said, is it's good ball. It's good ball. You're going to get good ball every single week, weekend, weekday. And um, I think it, it helps you develop for sure down there every facing competition like that, seeing where you match up. And, um, yeah, it's it, it, ACC's a great conference and a fun conference. Um, I have a lot of buddies in, around the conference that I grew up with in the Northeast. So that was fun to kind of play against them. And, um, yeah, it, it was quality baseball all around. Now, now that you kind of have that, so, like, looking back on it, um, do you think that that really helped prepare you to – go into the pros because like just imagine if you did end up just going around right of high school how much different do you think that would be for you yeah I've thought about that a bunch of times too um when I showed up to instructional league and when I showed up to spring training kind of tell myself I don't I don't know how it would have been if I showed up to something like this as an 18 year old out of high school um because it can be intimidating mm -hmm. I mean you see guys yeah. there that if you're 18 years old you're seeing guys that are almost a decade older than you that's mm. training and that can be intimidating and so yeah for me going to college and being in a quality competitive conference for sure helped me develop um helped me embrace challenges helped me compete and now that i'm here 
there's some good ball players for sure. I mean, obviously it's professional baseball now. I mean, everybody you're facing yeah. is quality, but there's guys that I remember from the ACC, whether they were just a year older than me, two years older than me, and they were dudes at whatever school they were at. And now you go to face them. It's like, okay, like I can, I'm right here with them. Like mm-hmm. I remember that yeah. name. They were, they were a big name, but you know what? Now I'm right here with you and, and let's do this thing. So yeah, it for sure helped me kind of transfer into this pro ball thing and, and really kind of just have that confidence in yourself that you can beat anybody. Yeah. I would assume playing college ball would kind of help you develop a routine that would you'd carry on with you. Have you stuck with your routine from college or how has that changed? Um, in a way, yeah. Um, There's certain things from college that I've taken into pro ball with me. A lot of that has to do with just body maintenance and, and arm care and stuff like that. Um, I will say the lifting program is a little bit different. Uh, when you're in season with pro ball, it's a little bit lighter. Um, I'm probably throwing a lot more in a shorter period of time than I was in college. Um, so you kind of have to back off the lifting a little bit, uh, make sure the body feels good, stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I would say for the most part, most routines are are still in play from college. And most of it's just body maintenance, making sure stretching, strength, um, I don't know, ice tubs, like whatever it is, just to keep the body going. And then um, there's still certain things in the weight room that I keep, um, but it's just cut down a little bit. What's your least favorite part of this routine? What's the hmm. thing you just despise? Hmm. I don't know. Which part do I despise? Maybe that's the answer. Maybe you just love it so yeah, much. Don't, you don't have something. A lot of people. Get oh, yeah, a lot of people would say conditioning <laughs> and running. Um, I don't think the conditioning is all that difficult or hard and so i don't think it's that bad i'm, I'm what is what is running. like the the running regimen that you they have you guys do at that level here it's you run about you run three times four times maybe four times in between each start and i mean it's nothing crazy it's like six to eight sprints and oh, wow. it's, <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's not it's not like i'm running from pole to pole 10 times it's yeah it's like thir- it's like eight 30 yard sprints you just you gotta run them hard um you know don't don't just go through the motions in them but yeah just um, get the blood flowing exactly get the blood yeah. flowing break a little sweat um make sure you get a little body flush and that's basically all it is mm-hmm. what what's your favorite part of the routine uh bitching just doing the thing <laughs> yeah probably the probably bullpen day and start day those are the best i mean yeah getting up on the you mound. Love getting, you love getting on the mound working on your stuff working on your craft i mean ultimately that is the most important part and um yeah i, I like lifting too lifting's fun um it's not fun when your legs are sore but <laughs> <laughs> um it is it is fun it's good to get get strong and feel good and get a nice pump in the weight room so yeah, Kirk knows about that. I wouldn't have any idea about that. <laughs> um, so you're like halfway through the season. I think you guys almost hit the halfway mark. And I yeah. might be out of line saying this, but I think I'm right, that this is probably the most games you've played in this short of a span. Like, has your 
Um, how's your body doing? How's you, how are you feeling going into the second half of this? Like that's gotta be a little something to that, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, body feels good for the most part. There are days where I'm just kind of dead and just dragging. Um, luckily those days haven't been on a start day yet. So, um, <laughs> But no, there's there's days where I'm still adjusting and I'm fatigued and tired and stuff like that. But for the most part, I'm feeling pretty confident going into this second half. Um, first half is behind us. It felt good. Feels good to be done. Um, still work to be done, obviously, with a lot of baseball ahead of us. But um, body's feeling good. Arms feeling good. And uh, that's ultimately very important. So. And your mental mental good i always hear about the mental grind mentally pretty confident mentally pretty confident right now um things are going pretty good the last i guess month really um everything's been feeling good on the mound but yeah there's there's some times mentally where it'll get to you pro ball will kind of eat you up a little bit um in the head and i experienced a little bit of that pretty early on um Mm -hmm. i'd say about a month month into the year just asking myself, all right, man, I mean, you got a long way to go still. Um, you can't panic right now. You can't get upset at yourself or anything because there's a lot of baseball to be played, and you can't just stop now. I mean, you, this was probably a month and a half ago when we were just one month in. I was like, we, we still got over three months left. <laughs> so you kind of have yeah. to buckle up here, straighten up here, and and uh, get going. And I think the last month, month and a half is – has been good focused on my end and just kind of kicking myself in the butt a little bit in between each start, making sure I'm sticking to my routine, um, not slacking off on skipping a lift or skipping conditioning or whatever it is, just sticking with everything. Going hard all the way through. Yeah. Like what you said, the last month and a half, again, got your stats up. We do, we do it over here. You have four wins in your last four decisions. Um, you've gone five or six innings in your last five. You pitched 100 pitches last outing. You did five innings and nine strikeouts two outings ago. I would say, like, you're, you're showing that progress. Because, I mean, we won't talk about May 16th start. But from what you did in middle May to where you are now, you're – it seems like you're figuring it out. What is yeah. one of the what are what are some of those things that you've been really focusing on when you're out there? Is it like getting through the second time, third time of the order, working on that fourth pitch that you have? What's what is it? A little bit. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. I think it's a little bit of multiple things. Um, some of it's just sticking to your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it, a lot of guys sometimes when things take a turn, probably kind of like that start on May 16th that you bring up, and I'm sure I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll be honest, that day I felt great. Really? Arm felt good. Stuff felt good. Stuff in the pen felt good. And if you told me that was going to happen after my pen and warm-ups, I would probably have said you're crazy. And sure enough, that happens. But I, I, it's just kind of sticking to your stuff. I mean, you you know what you're good at. You know what's what's good. I think that day was just a lot of unlucky 
sequence of events. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think I gave up a barrel that whole inning. Oh. Uh, it was just a bunch of like bloop here, roll over here, walk a guy here, walk another guy here, which is on me. But it, it, like those days happen, and mm-hmm. you yeah. know what? It, you just kind of have to turn the page and go on to the next one. And um, I think after that, you get a little hungrier get a little chip on your shoulder because you don't want that to happen ever again. So I think, I think that outing was honestly pretty good for me. Uh, made me a little bit hungrier, made me focus up even more, not just for that next start, but the next four, the next five. And um, I think we're kind of getting on a, a good roll here and just kind of keep it going, keep chugging along. One of the things that we talked to Boyle, um, Mike Boyle a little bit too. And he was saying the beginning of that, your season was rough. Like everything you've been mentioning now, it's kind of that getting to that professional life grind, the yeah. trying to figure it out. And then you guys have kind of been on this nice little run, this nice mm-hmm. successful run now. What's been the mentality like in that clubhouse? Like, have you been able to see that difference? Was it like ever that one moment, like, oh shit, we can't actually do this. Let's go do this type thing. Or was um, it I don't think there hit? really was like a certain moment. I think a lot of guys in the beginning of this year struggled. I mean, it, there was, it wasn't just me. And mm-hmm. you kind of have to expect that. I mean, a lot of these guys didn't even get to play last year because of COVID. I was even lucky enough to get four weeks in in college. Right. And like, guys are going to come out. I mean, it's the first month of baseball. I mean, we're still, we're getting our feet wet, basically. A lot of these guys haven't played in two years. So there's going to be struggles. And um, for me, it, it happened to be my first pro ball year too, with all this going on. Mm-hmm. So I I knew I was, I had a lot of success at spring training, a lot of success. And I knew getting shipped out to Spokane, getting ready for the season, I told myself multiple times, I said, you're going to get humbled. Like, you're going to have a bad day here soon. You're going to. And when it happens, you can't panic, can't act like what the heck is going on. It's going to happen, and you're just going to have to deal with it. And like I said, there, there were some starts early in the year that were good, and there were some starts early in the year that were not good. But now we're kind of piecing it all together here um, at the halfway point, and um, same thing with the hitters. I think the hitters were, were were not quite in a groove in that first month, as you could expect. I mean, these. I mean, there's good arms here, and now we're starting to put some runs up on the board. Where a lot of guys are starting to get hot at the plate, and um, you love to see it. And I'm I'm excited for it. And we're trying to start winning as many ball games as we can. I like that. That mentality is great. And like you said, that's pretty much what Boyle was kind of saying. The same thing. It's just that we are back into baseball for the first time in a hot minute. So that yeah, just is going to be there. Mm-hmm. You, you're playing with a stacked, very talented lineup. Like you got um, Doyle, you got uh, Toglia. I know I'm not saying his name right. Tolia. 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 A few <laughs> others that can rate your I'm sure your boy Mac Iver went got promoted Billy Mac yep. yeah um Billy Mac. was it just like playing with that kind of talent and just it's got to be fun right 
yeah, it is a lot of fun um, to kind of see those guys go do what they do um, at the plate, behind the dish, out in the field, um, whatever it is. It is fun to watch them. And whenever I'm not starting, um, I like to go out in the dugout, hang out with them, watch them go do their thing. And yeah, it is fun. They're, they're good at what they do. Um, some of even some of those guys, some of the names you just brought up were struggling in that first mm -hmm. couple of weeks, couple months, and now they're starting to really turn it on and and you're happy for them, you're excited, and it's fun to watch. Yeah. That's gotta be a pretty like surreal thing to like look around and, like these are the Rockies top prospects that even the casual fans kind of know about and stuff. And you're yep. right there with them and you belong to be there. It's just got to be pretty cool, like, especially if you guys can kind of stick together throughout the minors, that'd be really awesome. Yeah, it is cool. We got a good group here. Um, the the group the group we got here is close, like you said. I mean, a lot of these guys are around the same age. I'm a little bit younger, but not too much younger. I think it's like a year or two. And um, they're awesome. They, they've taken me in very well. They, I love hanging out with them. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, this group could do a lot of special things years down the road, and it's gotten broken up a little bit with some promotions and some guys going to Hartford. But um, I think we're all kind of working hard and working on ourselves to all get back together again soon. So, was it kind of bittersweet when Willie Mack went up? Because I'm sure that he was your oh yeah your platoon guy, right? Oh, yeah, he yeah we were all we. Were, it was like bittersweet is just the perfect word for it because everyone's so excited for Willie Mack. He's just the greatest dude ever. And um, he deserves to be up there so much. And, but at the same time, nobody wanted him to leave because <laughs> 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 everybody just loves hanging out with him, being in a locker room. He's great. At, he's obviously a great catcher and, and a great hitter. And, um, but yeah, he's, we, we miss him a lot already. And, um, he's doing great things already at Hartford. He had a three-run home run game, like his first week there. It's so incredible. I, I remember when he was doing that, we were we were getting ready for a game, and just nobody cared. They were just like, <laughs> Willie hit three bombs. Like, this is awesome. So <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It, it's good to see him having success, and it's not surprising at all. It's got to be it's got to be interesting because if if you guys, an individual player starts tearing it up, you're almost like, Slow it down, dude. I don't want you to get promoted. So yeah. we lose you, yeah. But it's just yeah, it's, it happens. It's just the name of the game, I guess. Especially at this level. I mean, everybody wants to move up, and that's ultimately what you're playing for, right? But it does it does get to a point where you spend a lot of time with these guys, and you spend a good amount of time playing baseball. And yeah, you you don't want them to leave. You like playing with them. You enjoy it. And um, but yeah, that's just that's the tough part of this game and tough part of this level, I guess. Yeah. Take us into the clubhouse. Who's the class clown? Mm. Who's the one that keeps it light? Oh man. I gotta like go around the locker room now. Like picture. <laughs> You're probably picturing the lockers, the setup. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, hmm, the clown. There's, I don't want to say they're a clown, but there's a there's like some good <laughs> characters on the team that like to make guys laugh. There's a good one. Uh, I'd say I'd say Shelby Lack. He's a good one. Um, Derek Watson is a good one. I like 
some of the just some of the conversations that go on you know it's just <laughs> like it's nothing inappropriate it's just some of the most random conversations that you never would find yourself having and then you have them in the clubhouse with guys and so I, i'd say like shelby lackey and Derek watson are fun guys to, to talk about and keep a light in the locker room our clubby joey scott is awesome he keeps everybody light um and yeah i'd, I'd go with them that's who i'm riding with that's awesome that's fun um yeah. let's end it with some fun questions i couldn't so we kind of do the what's your favorite type of thing um of okay. profiles so like we asked duke and darnell what his stuff was from his college profile and if any of that's changed we asked sam the same okay. thing i could not find okay. it for you at miami so we're just gonna okay. go off the cups what right. is something some people don't know about you what's like one unique fact one unique fact i was an all-state soccer player in high school Mm. What position? Yeah, forward. Oh, of course. (laughs) Job is to score. It helps score. (laughs) Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's cool. Do you still watch? Do you watch soccer at all? USMNT. I was watching a little bit of the Euros um, when they were on TV. Uh, The time change out here kind of messes with me with watching sports. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I don't watch too much soccer, honestly. I'll watch it. I, I like watching like the Euros and the World Cup because I think uh, obviously a lot of guys love representing their countries and playing for their countries. So I think that's really cool to watch, but I don't watch MLS or anything like that. I, I don't, I'm not too into that stuff. Not your jam. Do you guys watch yeah. the Rockies games and stuff up there? Always- we do. Oh. Yeah. We'll have them on in the, uh, in the clubhouse sometimes like pregame if if they're playing before our game starts okay. um, yeah we, we we keep up and watch them sometimes all right what is your favorite food keep it simple there <sighs> favorite food probably cheesesteak makes sense of course cheese steak or <laughs> double cheeseburger yeah <laughs> and what is your um vacation destination mm. vacation Where are you somewhere going in beach. October? Somewhere at the beach and somewhere at palm trees. Probably <laughs> Florida, I guess. Not Go quite Miami. Home. Maybe around like, maybe like St. Augustine, Tampa. Um, even the Jersey Shore is great. South South Jersey Shore is awesome. I love going there in the summer. I can't do it this summer, obviously, because I'm out here playing ball. But that was always one of my favorite things to do in high school is go down the Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm do your thing that's cool yeah i i appreciate that i appreciate you spending your time with us chris um keep doing course, sweet yeah. things keep feeling yeah. it and uh thank you we'll we'll keep watching keep rooting for you from afar thank you thank you guys for sure appreciate man thank time. you yeah. good luck on the rest for of the sure. season man thank you thank you second half here we go thank you for tuning in find more content at blakestreetbanter.com <laughs>